pastor. And around uh, in the, the later months of 2018, the elders and I would often ask Danilo, are you ready? Do you have the call to be the pastor of Il Fado, the Lighthouse International Baptist Church? Danilo would give us an answer. We'd be like, ah, we'll ask you again next month. <laughs> We're not convinced yet. But in November, the answer was different. And we all looked at each other and we said, we think he's ready. And in January of the following year, he was unanimously voted in as our pastor. And so the missionary era ended in the church in Naples. And God provided a bilingual Italian to take that church forward. We didn't know if that experiment would work long term. Uh, there are about, you can count on one hand the number of paid pastors in churches, in evangelical churches in the nation of Italy. And, and the fact that it's a bilingual church, because we have a Navy base nearby, meant that you need interpreters. And all of the, the work you do is doubled in some ways. The minutes have to be done in both languages. You need interpretation at, at your meetings and your meals. But by God's grace, he's provided interpreters as well. And so the work goes on there. God was good. God provided a successor to the missionaries. There was no guarantee that that would happen. And to be fair, all Jackie and I did was finish that last chapter. Uh, we were not the founders of that church. We joined the founders of that church. But we know that if we had not invested in Danilo and people like Danilo, there would have been no successors when the time for us to go came around. And so that is a picture of what it looks like. When we think about the life and longevity of the church, we're talking about people. The people that God puts in a church at any one moment in time in its history. And that's why this passage tells us that churches are training grounds. They're training grounds for each one of us. Uh, if you ask me, how did you end up in Naples and in Germany, I don't know. I, I would say one of the responses I give to people is, I never saw that coming. And God only just showed me shortly before I would be moving. I thought moving to Philadelphia was a big deal. I grew up in a town. We had a donut shop. We didn't have a light in town. We had more cows than people, probably. Grew up, grew up in a church about this size, good church. But uh, 2,000 people in our town. And then we found ourselves living in Philadelphia going to Bible college. And then while I'm in seminary taking a missions class, I take a trip to Italy. We, we had had a chance to go to Italy a couple times. There was a Greek student in the Bible college, and he said, why don't you come to Italy with me? So we, why not? We went to Italy for three weeks. And so later I was interested. What's going on in missions in the nation of Italy? And so I took a trip over there. And it was during that two-week trip that I was journaling and Jackie was doing what she normally did, which was, was working to pay my way through school. And uh, she read my journal and she said, I know we're going to Italy. And, uh, but as we were learning about missions in Italy, we found that since World War II, missionaries had gone to the country of Italy uh, after their military service. They brought the gospel into this Christian land a cultural Christian land where many people you meet cannot answer the question of if you were to die today, where would you go? 
And if you were to stand before the Lord and he were to say, why would I let you into my paradise? What would you say? And they say, I don't know. I hope my good outweighs my bad. I've never killed anybody. I'm a pretty nice person. That's a standard answer there. And so the gospel was needed in the nation of Italy. And missionaries went. But missionary after missionary, as they left, they didn't leave churches in a position to succeed because they hadn't raised up their successors. And so again, I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just trying to say we are so grateful for what the Lord did. And I joined a person who had a vision of working ourselves out of a job from day one. And that meant that we were always investing in people. Because the church is a training grounds for missions. And for all kinds of ministry. Unfortunately, most of us don't have that kind of an experience. If you're like me, you grew up in a church or you've attended a church where you thought you hired the pastor to do ministry, right? Or you hired some other people to do ministry or there was a, a small percentage. A guy named Vilfredo Pareto, you've probably heard of him, came up with this law of distribution about 100 years ago. He observed in the nation of Italy that the wealth was uh, concentrated in the hands of 20% of the people. And so he created this principle where 20% would then be distributed out to the other 80%. And this is called the Pareto Principle. You've probably run across this in, in different classes you've taken. Uh, we often say that 20% of our efforts produce 80% of our results. Have you ever heard of that? That's the Pareto principle. It's a law of distribution. And it's uncanny how often it's true. In the church, we unfortunately say 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Right? Or even worse, 10%, 90%. And the point I want to make is that that is not God's design for his church. The life and longevity of the local church is, not, is, is insufficient if 20% are doing 80% of the activity in the life of the local church. And so how does the local church prepare us, identify us, uh, equip us, and, and deploy us? That is what we'll look at today. The church was designed to prepare us. In uh, verse 11, KJ read that it was he, Christ, came giving gifts to his church. And these gifts were in the form of gifted people, gifted roles, Roles uh, like apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Pretty impressive credentials. And so uh, we tend to think of these roles when we think of the local church. Is that true? We tend to think of these as the roles that, that keep the church going, that do the ministry of the local church. But it says that he gave these to the local church for what reason? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is, to build up the body of Christ. 
So the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and teachers were those that were left when Jesus left this earth and he returned to the Father. And they were the ones that helped give birth to the church 2,000 years ago. The church that today is spread all around the globe and continues to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world. But the, the work of, of the church and the expansion of the gospel through the church could never have been completed through this small group alone. Maybe you've heard of Billy Graham. He, he may be the greatest evangelist of all times when you think about the impact he's had on the world. And he, he just passed away not too long ago, so many people are familiar with him. And yet, if the gospel going out to the world depends on Billy Graham, it will never be enough. The gospel going to the world depends on millions of people sharing. This, this weekend, we stayed in a B&B here in Tuscaloosa, and it was enjoyable for Jackie and me to get up in the morning and as the owners uh, gathered people for breakfast to hear them pray and thank the Lord for the day, allowing people to understand that they were followers of Jesus Christ. At the top of the stairs, there was a, a little sign about the old rugged cross, and there was another one, a verse that said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Using their B&B as an opportunity to put the gospel in the conversation, allow people the opportunity to come to know Christ through a relationship, just spending a day or two in their home. And so we all have roles. And the role of leaders, as we've seen here in verse 11, is a significant role, but it's an insufficient role. And so that's why I like to say all pastors are interim pastors. Every pastor is an interim pastor. Whether a pastor is uh, here for three months or two years, I know you hope KJ will stick around for a while, so I'm not trying to discourage that. But I noticed that when Patterson became your pastor 100 years ago, two years after this was a missionary church, uh, he was the second of what would be five pastors in eight years, in the first eight years of the history of this church. Now, from 74 to 80-something, you had somebody who lasted a while, right? But whether you're here a short time or whether you last for a while, we all know this, right? No one is immortal. But we're all, every pastor is an interim pastor. And so the the... Most important question is not how long will KJ be our pastor, but it's how are our pastors and leaders equipping us to do the kind of ministry that God has for us in this community? How are they preparing us to share in the ministry? The local church was designed as a place where we could be equipped. God had a vision for me that I never had for myself. Uh, maybe the best thing I did was get in over my head at different times in my life. But the church was designed to equip me for the work that God had for me. 
And that's true for each one of us that are here in this room today. And so the question for us is, how is our church equipping us? How are our leaders preparing us for the ministry that God has for us? It's a shared ministry. It's not their ministry. We didn't hire them to do that ministry. We all share in that ministry. Because the second part of the equation, if pastors are equippers and pastors are interim pastors, is that every member is a minister. Verse 12 continues, and it tells us why God gave some to equip. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is, to build up the body of Christ. So who's responsible for the growth of the church? KJ, right? No. Who's responsible for the growth of the church? We all are. We're all responsible for the growth of the church. KJ asked me earlier, what do I do? What is my role? Well, my role isn't a whole lot different than your role. Because it's not my church, and it's not your church. This church was probably here before you. I don't know if there's anybody. Uh, I know once in a while we meet a 100-year-old person, but I don't know if there's anybody who was here in 1921 when this church was started. Right? This is Christ's church. We're just stewards. We're just stewards of this church. And so what are we doing to build up the body of Christ? We have different roles, but we have a shared responsibility. You might say that some coach, and this probably works here, right? This analogy, some coach, but all play. You've probably heard of this thing called the next man up. Uh, Tony Dungy was not just the first black coach to win a Super Bowl. He's also famous for having created this idea that is so common, and the commentary today of, of football games is known as the next man up idea. But God was the originator of that idea in the church. It's the next man up principle. The Colts won the Super Bowl because... The, the starter went down, and I think Calvin, I don't remember his last name, made an interception that sealed it for the Colts at the end. The, the details escape me a little bit. But the point is, we are, we're used to this. We're used to seeing this on the football field. But it's something that we ought to see in the church as well. One of the challenges we have when we think about roles is that if someone already occupies a role, then there's no reason for me to pursue that role. And so we tend to think in terms of limitations, right? There are so many uh, playing spaces on the field, but in the game of football, a violent game, uh, very likely that role might open up and somebody else gets a chance to serve. In the church, it should be the same kind of idea. The people that are holding roles are not there forever, Maybe it's time for them to move on. I heard recently uh, someone say, if you're doing the same ministry that you were doing 20 years ago, you're probably in the wrong ministry. You ought to be mentoring someone else to do that ministry. Not because you don't do it well, but because your responsibility changes. As we get older, uh, the things that we know how to do, we can 
help others learn how to do or succeed in or gain confidence in. And so that's, what a, that's how God designed his church. He designed it as an intentional community, a relational community, an equipping community. It's a place where people are discovered and developed and then deployed. And sometimes that means we go overseas and we learn other languages. And sometimes we don't learn them very well. And so, you know, sometimes we, we just say, wow, now I know maybe what Paul meant when he said, in my weakness, he is strong. Because I'm over my head. That's ministry. It's ministry in the local church. Many times we're in over our head here. And then we'll go to other places where we're outside our comfort zone. So that doesn't change. But we get deployed to places because God sees potential in us that we don't see in ourselves. God sees potential in you that you probably don't see in yourself. And he has created the local church as a place where you can discover that potential. Where that potential can be developed. Now you might already have some ideas and maybe you'll find out later they weren't the right ideas. And you need to be redirected. But that's okay too, right? Sometimes we head down a road and we need somebody else to help us to realize that's not the best for us or for anybody else. But then we get to be deployed. There is plenty, plenty, plenty of opportunity out there for the gospel. And it's not limited by the number of roles that are out there that we can fill. And so, I hope that you'll see today that God has potentially, I, I believe, brought you here this morning to receive a message that he wants you to receive, to be encouraged, to go forward in the vision that he has for your life. And that you can do that in the context of this local church. And here's what happens. Paul will go on in the next verses. We won't look at these. And he says that when this happens, the church grows into a mature man. And that's not an individual. That's a corporate idea. That's where we grow. We grow. We become more unified. He, he starts chapter 4 talking about our unity. We've been unified in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then he'll go on later to talk about speech patterns. And we get to put these speech patterns into practice. Speaking the truth in love, we maintain that unity in the body. He wants us to be corporately united. And he wants us to grow to maturity. Maturity means that we reach our full potential. And that's God's vision for each one of us. And so how does that work? Uh, one of the questions we wrestled with over the years, we worked with a lot of first-generation Christians, so they didn't grow up with Christian parents. And uh, a lot of rough edges, things to work out, broken marriages, broken relationships, all kinds of stuff. And as you're working with people, uh, maybe this has happened in, in your context, you ask, do we wait until they're ready to allow them to serve? Or do we let them serve and then they'll become ready? So what would your answer be? It's a, really a both and, isn't it? 
as we, we look at characteristics in people, we see people who have the qualities, especially the character traits that we want in the kinds of people that we want serving, especially in certain roles. But many times we start serving before we're really ready for that role or fit for that role. And so God has designed in, in his church, I believe, this idea that progress leads to participation and then participation leads to further progress. And so it's, it's a process. You can step forward before you feel ready. And, and as, as others come around you and prepare you, you'll be, you'll be ready sooner or later. Or you'll be redirected. But as you grow, then more opportunities come. And you're ready to handle those new opportunities as well. And so that's God's design for his church. Can we go forward a little bit? There's a slide that kind of summarizes everything. It has multi-generational focus. It's not just about our generation or even our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren. And that doesn't mean that every local church will be around forever. Sometimes churches have life cycles in communities. But the church will be around forever. And it's designed to, to grow and to, to thrive. It's also a place of widespread participation. God never intended for his church to only be a place where a few people get to play and the rest sit on the bench and watch or sit in the stands and cheer them on. God intended his church to be a place where everybody gets to play. And there's a role for everyone. And it's a place where we progress, where we grow. We grow, we learn to depend on the Lord. We see what it means that his spirit has come inside of us and giving us gifts to edify his church. And as we grow, our church grows. So I like to say his work always outlasts us, but it never overlooks us. We are stewards of God's church. And so what should we do next? What would be a next step for each one of us? There are three ways that we can look at uh, any given situation when it comes to responsibility. That's the next slide. There are always three parts in the equation. One is their part. How much control do we have over their part? None? Did you say none? Yeah, we don't have any. I'm not responsible for their part. A second part is God's part. How much responsibility do we have over God's part? None. But there's good news because God is is 100% faithful. He will do his part. So what's left? My part. What do you need to do? Just do your part. Simply do your part. God will do his part. And by his grace, others will respond as you minister with the gospel in the lives of others. And together, his church will continue to grow. And we're blessed by that, and many others will be as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to serve you locally, where we grow up or where we move to. 
for career or life. Sometimes you take us overseas into missions. You give us a vision of, of what you're doing far beyond what, uh, what we could have ever imagined for ourselves. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the way that they stood behind KJ and Lynn and their family as they served you in London and in Great Britain and then in, in Paris. Thank you for the churches that were started as a result. Thank you that those churches are being led by leaders that you provided so that the ministry continues. Lord, thank you that we get to be a part of, of your work in the lives of others, in, in the lives of other nations around the world. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. And I pray, Lord, that you would be challenging each one of us by your spirit and that we would be ready to obey. In Jesus' name, amen.